Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, well, good morning, Community of Hope. How are we all doing here today in the Loxahatchee campus? Great. Want to welcome everybody who's streaming with us online. We're glad that you've joined us here today too, and welcome to everybody streaming from our we're streaming from our West Palm Beach campus. We're glad that you've joined us here for worship today too. Let's wave to everybody at West Palm Beach, everybody at Future Lake Worth campus. We're glad that you're here. Hey, let's take a minute and honor the worship team at all of our campuses where we just worshiped them. Thank you, team, so very much. I needed that. I needed that, and I say often, if I can't preach after that, I need to go sell vacuum cleaners or something. So uh, we're glad that everybody is here today. Um, if you're new here, I'm Trevor, one of the pastors here at Community of Hope. Our lead and founding pastor, Pastor Dale, he is out of town this weekend. He is at a family gathering where he is at his great aunt's 100-year birthday party in Jacksonville. Isn't that cool? 100 years old. Dale took his wonderful 92-year-old mom to go on up and celebrate and be with family, so they're having a great time. And uh, he texted me this morning saying, these people know how to party. So there you go. <laughs> So uh, he'll be back here with us next week. I'm glad to be here with you guys today. So here's what we want to do uh, for today's message. I want to tell everybody a story. I want to tell you a story. Now, stories are really important for communities. Stories are important for families. It helps us remind us of who we are, where, where we've been, and where we're going. Uh, Leah and I, we tell stories to our kids all the time. We tell the story of how Leah and I fell in love and how we felt like as soon as we came together that this is bigger than us. In fact, that's the name of the song that we danced to on the day of our wedding, was Bigger Than Us. We tell that story to our kids. I tell the story of how uh, my grandfather, who was a tough Air Force lieutenant colonel, who, and how he met Jesus Christ, and it transformed him into the most gentle man I've ever met in my entire life, and how it transformed our entire family tree. We tell the story of my mom and dad, who are here today, here in Loxahatchee Campus. Would you welcome my mom and dad? Yeah. Uh, we tell the story of how mom and dad took us to church once and at a church in Clearwater, Florida, and how it changed the entire trajectory of every single person in our family for my dad's life, my mom's life, my life, my brother's life. And it changed the entire Johnston family for generations because of their decision to go to church for all of us. Not just me, because I ended up being a preacher on Sunday morning, but all of us, all of us, we tell the story. I tell the story uh, to my son, Kate, of how Tampa Bay won their first Super Bowl with Derek. What? No. Um, It's important to tell stories. It's important to tell stories. Um, It's important to tell stories in scripture too, where for faith communities and for God's people, they've always told stories. Stories. In fact, in the Old Testament, God's people, when they're getting ready to leave Egypt out of slavery, go to the promised land, when they're ready to do, go on what's called the Exodus, God told them to tell this story. Tell the story of my faithfulness over and over and over again. In fact, tell your children at this time, every single year, bring your small children to your side at the dinner table and tell them what I did for you and how I taught you and how I formed you, how I rescued you. He told them to literally bind it around their wrists, to literally tie it on their forehead, to write it on the tablet of their hearts and tell the story again and again And again, stories are important for families, for people, for communities, and even for churches. And so I want to start today by telling you 
a story. And I want to tell you an old story about community of hope. Now, it's nowhere near as grand as like the Exodus, okay? You know, let's put this all in perspective here. But it's a really important story for the history of our church. Now, um, it's weird for me, kind of, to tell these stories because I feel like they're my stories. But I acknowledge I have not been here that long, relatively. I've been here seven years. I'm going on my eighth year here at Community of Hope. Loved every minute of it. We, Leah and I high-five each other all the time that we cannot believe that we got to join this unbelievable community of people and this team. We're just so grateful for this. Um, but Community of Hope started in Pastor Dale's and Beth's living room in 1997. I was in middle school then. <laughs> Nobody tell Dale I said that, okay? Um, I was in middle school, and so this church started in their living room, and then it grew from he and Beth and their daughters to eight people to more people to more people to eventually community foot began to meet in an auditorium at Royal Palm Beach High School. So I want to know anybody here in Loxahatchee and anybody at West Palm, raise your hands if you're a high school OGs. Look at that bunch of hands, bunch of hands. Why do you all sit over here on this side of the room, you bunch of OGs? Wow. So there's a bunch of high school uh, OGs, high school original people, and maybe at the West Palm Beach campus, I don't know, maybe some of you raised your hand too, where um, we worshiped for 14 years as a mobile church in Royal Palm Beach High School just down the road here on Okeechobee. Here's what it looked like when people used to walk into our church. That was the entrance of the high school. We'd hang banners up for that. Here's what it looked like in the middle of worship where people were worshiping together in the auditorium. I still see lots of familiar faces that I have known and loved and have become like family for me in that picture. So Community of Hope, uh, when it launched, it grew very quickly, very quickly. Um, it only took a couple years for Community of Hope to go from Dale and Beth to grow all the way to seven or 800 people in just a few years, which that's wonderful in that day and age where churches were in America in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, it was incredible growth. God was doing amazing things, transforming lives. But there was only one problem, is that there were a lot of people, and as Pastor Dale would say this, and the reason I know this story is because I've heard him share it with me one-on-one -on -one in his truck and in many settings with pastors as he's doing mentoring all over the state of Florida. And he said the only problem was that we were a mile wide, but we were an inch deep. And we didn't know it. You see, a time of really challenging circumstances came to our church in 2004 and 2005 when the state of Florida got introduced to three ladies named Frances, Jean, and Wilma. In fact, here's a picture of Hurricane Wilma. And the eye of the hurricane is hitting pretty much right on Palm Beach County, maybe a little bit beneath it. And it was a really difficult time for the church because uh, Community of Hope was meeting in a high school, in a mobile setting where we did not own those facilities, we were renting the facilities, uh, what happened was Palm Beach County didn't let any outside groups meet in schools for a month until they could inspect every building to make sure they were sound. And Community of Hope could not have church for a month straight. Now, this is in the middle of 2000s. This is 2005. Churches were not streaming. People were not broadcasting church unless you were like a televangelist on TV. And I don't have any green sequin suits to wear to be on TV. So we weren't that church. We weren't that church. We didn't have what we have today and what churches do today online. And so there was no gathering, no gathering. It was painfully difficult. And when you have a church like that, that's a mile wide, but an inch deep, and you can't meet together for a month, overnight community of hope was cut in half. 
It went from seven, 800 people to 300-ish, maybe, on a good day, and it broke Pastor Dale's heart. And I, this is his words, not mine. What he said was, I realized that we had built a crowd, but we hadn't built a congregation. And let me tell everybody here and everybody at West Palm Beach and Lake Worth and online, and even for some of our small groups who meet up in Port St. Lucie and who are all together gathering to your people up there, watching from computers and TVs, you too. It's easy to gather a crowd. It's easy to gather a crowd. It's hard to build a congregation. And they're different. And they're not the same. And every crowd is not a congregation. Amen? Amen. They're not the same thing. And so he was deeply discouraged. In fact, there was this quote from an amazing pastor and author. His name's Rick Warren. You may have heard him. He wrote the best-selling nonfiction book of all time, Purpose Driven Life. And he says this, all living things grow. All living things grow. When you're a pastor of a church that just had half of your people walk away, overnight, like that, that feels deeply discouraging. Well, all living things grow, then that means we're in utter failure. And God began to speak to Pastor Dale in his discouragement and said, no, you're not. Let me tell you, is it true that all living things grow? Yes, this is true. All living things grow. But the Holy Spirit began to just talk to him in his time and in his processing. All living things grow, but not all living things grow the same. Sometimes living things, it's their season to grow upward and outward and to spread. And sometimes there's a season for living things to not grow up and out, but to grow down and deep. And so he determined that if this is not Community of Hope season in 2005, to grow up and out, then we're going to grow down and deep. We're going to let our roots grow down. And we're going to become rooted together. And when we made that determination, God began to do amazing things in our church. He brought a wonderful person to our church named Kathy Copan. Her husband, Vic's not too shabby either. <laughs> yeah. Yep. God brought Vic and Kathy to our church. Kathy's here on the front row for everybody online at West Palm Beach. Uh, she's our executive director of discipleship. And they just came as volunteers, fresh from Austria. Um, from being missionaries and trying to find a local church here in South Florida. And they began to serve. And eventually she joined her staff and we began to build small groups because it's one of the values of our church that big faith is grown in small groups. And if we're not going to build a crowd, but build a congregation, if we're going to grow down and deep, we're going to have to do it through what the Bible prescribes as Christian community. And we grew and we grew down and deep, down and deep, down and deep. And fast forward now, it's 2021. And Jesus is building his church. We're in three locations in Palm Beach County. It's amazing to be a part of all this, what God has done. But we have never forgotten this lesson. We can't forget to tell this story. We cannot forget to tell this story that you have to grow down and deep. You have to become rooted for this thing to be real. And if you want to be deep in your faith, if you want to be deep in your walk with God, if you're not even sure what you believe about God, maybe you're new to church or new for the first time to church in a long time, let me tell you, you have to learn that faith is grown not in rows, but in circles. And it's not grown in crowds, but in relationships. 
And we will always tell this story as a part of our church so that we never, ever, ever forget this lesson of what God taught us through that tough season. And so this is where we find ourselves in the series. Today's the last message in our series, Rooted. And we're going to read um, our passage, our key memory verse, one more time. And usually in our sermons, we preach at the beginning of our series, the memory verse. We've said it to the very last on purpose in this one. So if you have your Bible or your COH app or however you read your scriptures, if you just want to read it on the screen, that's okay. We're in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Our theme verse is 6 through 7. But to just give a little bit more context to this, we're going to start in verse 1. So this is what it says here. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And here's our theme verse. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Lord, just as we learned in our last series, speak, Lord, we pray the prayer of the prophet Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Lord, we pray the prayer of the psalmist, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law. And Lord, I don't pray that they would hear me. I pray that they would hear you in your word for their hearts. We open ourselves, all of us, including me, the one who's speaking, we open ourselves to hear from you, our King and our Lord Jesus. We open our minds, we open our hearts now. It's in your name we pray, and everybody all across community of hope said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's talk just for a moment to contextualize uh, what we just read. So this is the book of Colossians, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in the ancient city of Colossae. Now, Colossae was 100 miles east of the city Ephesus. That's where the letter of Ephesians was written to. So it's 100 miles east of Ephesus in Asia Minor. And uh, the city of Colossae was actually severely damaged by a devastating earthquake. So scholars and historians believe the city was either damaged or completely destroyed by an earthquake in the year 61 AD. So this letter was written sometime before that by the Apostle Paul. Now, interestingly, you can hear this in the language in the passage that Paul didn't really know these people. He didn't start this church. He'd only heard about them. He said, even though we haven't met personally, even though I'm not there in person, I'm with you in spirit. It's not a church he started. It was started by a man named Epaphras who was converted under the ministry of what was happening in the church in the city of Ephesus. And so Paul heard that this church in this city, Colossae, was struggling with clearly understanding who Jesus was. He heard that they were starting to take on false 
mixed up views of who Jesus was. Some things never change, right? He was, he was starting to take up false, mixed up views on who Jesus was. They were taking wrong cues from culture. They were taking wrong cues from other religions. They were taking wrong cues from astrology and other occult practices. All of these were combating with the church for trying to make Jesus less than everything that he says he absolutely is. And so Paul is writing to them to contend for the full riches of faith and the mysteries of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. He wants them to endure in faith, to not water down who Jesus is, to hang in there, to endure to the end, and to hold on because Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Now, um, one of the things you have to understand about this passage is grammar. Now, that's very unfortunate for me. I was good at math. I was good at art. I was good at other things at school. Horrible at English and grammar. And all of you are like, yeah, we know. Okay, so don't judge me. Uh, English and grammar weren't, and spelling were not my strong suits. But we have to talk about grammar here in this passage to actually understand what's going on. So we're going to have a little bit of a grammar lesson, okay? So everybody here in Loxahatchee and everybody at West Palm, a little bit of grammar lesson. All right, so in English, first person singular is what? Me or I. What is second person singular? You. Exactly. All right. What is first person plural? We. We or us, right? Okay. What is second person plural? You. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses, Loxahatchee. Okay. Literally, did anybody ride a horse here today in church? I'm not sure. So listen, exactly. So if I'm talking to somebody, like if I was going to talk to maybe my wife, Leah, I'd be you. But if I was going to talk to Leah, my mom, my dad, I would say you. Okay. Now, officially in English, (laughs) you're proving my point. My point is going to be here in the South. We have officially figured this out. In the South, what do we say? It's Y'all, right, y'all, we figured this out. Other parts of the country, we, we have figured this out and totally made a mockery of the English language. No wonder Great Britain laughs at us, right? Okay, so um, if you're in the South, it's y'all. If you're in Appalachia, it's Ewins. If you're in Oz- the Ozark, it's Yins. If you're up from Minnesota, where Kathy's from, it's you guys, you betcha, right? <laughs> right, so, we, so we, all, we all do this here. So, but officially in English, it's hard to understand it because, let me just put it up. Let's put up 2 Corinthians, or sorry, not Colossians 2. That's it, Colossians 2. Let's put Colossians 2, 6 and 7 again on the screen, okay? So let's just read this one more time. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthen the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, in our culture, in such a hyper-individualized Western modern society, all of us will read that and think he's talking to me. In the Greek, it's plural every single time. And it's easy to miss. And if you think it's singular versus plural, you're going to interpret this entirely the unintentional way. I'm sure there'll still be good things that God will bring up in your heart, but you'll miss the point. So I have created a very scholarly version of the Bible to help us understand this a little bit more today. And I call it the Locks IV. 
otherwise known as the Loxahatchee International Version of the Bible, God help us all. Okay? So here's how this should accurately read. We're going to put it on the screen. So then, just as y'all received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live y'all's lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as all y'all were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. No wonder, yeah, thank you, okay. Thank you, okay. The bar is way too low in our church, way too low. No wonder Pastor Ephraim and Pastor Jose over in West Palm Beach at CHS Espanol, no wonder they tell me that when I'm going to get to the heavenly gate, St. Peter's going to look at me and say, hola. I mean, right? I understand. It's the heavenly language, Jose. I know. I know. I know. So the whole point here, excuse me, the whole point here is that Paul is trying to help them understand something about the nature of being together. It's about being together. So here's the point I want you to know today. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you want to grow deeper faith, if you want to grow deeper faith, if you want to go deeper spiritually, you have to first learn to be alone with God and together with people. If you want to grow deeper faith, you have to learn to be alone with God and together with people. It's both. Our last series that we just did through July, we talked, we called it Speak Lord. We're talking about how to read the Bible, just you and God alone, and how to apply it to your life. We gave you a journaling method. This is a huge thing. It's part of the DNA of our church. We want to teach you how to hear the voice of God in God's word alone for you, to drink living water, to eat bread from heaven. We want you to do all of that alone with God. Your faith will never grow if you just come here, but you never learn to be alone with God. And your faith will never grow if you're only alone with God. You have to learn to be together with people. Together with people. It's how you and I were made. It's how we're designed for community. Let's look again. Colossians 2, 6. No locks IV this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen to here. So he's talking to us. It's plural. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. If you take notes, underline that word. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. If you're taking notes, underline the word rooted. Continue and rooted. Continue and rooted. It's hard to continue in faith. It's hard to be a follower of Jesus. If you're doing it right, Jesus, well, I'm, let me just say it this way. I will unapologetically say that Jesus has made every single part of my life better. Unapologetically. I want everybody to follow Jesus because I think he makes life absolutely better. He doesn't necessarily make it easier, but he does make it better. It's hard to do this. It's worth it. And not everybody goes the distance. In fact, it's really cool and it's really hip right now to walk away from faith and to post about it online and Instagram to virtue signal. You'll get your own podcast and sponsorships if you talk enough about it. And there's something to be 
there's something to learn from with people trying to re-examine their faith. We're a type of church that doesn't shame doubters or questioners or people who are deconstructing their faith. We're a type of church that welcomes that. We have a group for skeptics for crying out loud, right? So that's not our game. But a lot of people are walking away. And what Paul's trying to do is you need to continue on in faith. And you have to be rooted. And here's how you do that. You continue on by being rooted together. It gets you through difficulty. It gets you through pain. The primary way we continue through faith is to be rooted together. I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of beautiful redwood trees. Some of the most majestic trees on God's planet that he created. What an incredible, beautiful sight. Now, in Scripture, it talks a lot about trees. Did you know, topically, in the Bible, it talks about trees only uh, less than... So let me rephrase that. The Bible talks first about God and people the most. The third most mentioned thing in all of the Bible is trees. Some of it's literal, some of it's metaphorical. And a lot of the way the Bible talks about trees is, you are like a tree, and I am like a tree. In fact, let's go ahead and put up that picture of the redwoods. Again, just for everybody online can see it just one more time while I read this about redwood trees. Author Susan Williamson writes about this, about these beautiful majestic trees. Just picture this, watch this, and listen. Redwood trees, did you know they rarely ever fall over? They withstand strong winds, earthquakes, fires, storms, and prolonged flooding. The interesting thing about the redwood tree is that their root system is intertwined with other redwood trees, literally holding each other up. The trees grow very close together and are dependent on each other for nutrients as well. Only redwoods have the strength and ability to support other redwoods. So beneath the surface of these humongous, tall, statuesque trees are roots, like an army of people who have their arms interlocked, standing and supporting each other. They are preventing the adversaries of life from knocking each other down, and they are also making sure there is plenty of nutrients for growth to come. You can go ahead and take the picture off now. What an incredible picture of what community is supposed to be like. Where you're not just in proximity to each other, but you're rooted together. Your lives are intertwined together, supporting each other, holding each other up. I found that fascinating. The redwood trees almost never fall over. And what an amazing picture of what Christian community is supposed to be like. So I'm here to ask us, everybody here in the room today and everybody online and at our campuses, who are your redwoods? Do you have other redwoods in your life? And who are they? I'll show you some of mine. Um, I, we've been a part of uh, some amazing marriage small groups. Some of them, we've gone through shifts in different seasons. We're still deeply entwined with each other. We're part of a married network of small groups here early on, a community of hope that still loves and supports each other and loves each other and does life together like crazy. We're part of a married small group right now that's a different kind of crazy. That's awesome. Here's a picture of our small group now, minus the commissies. Commissies, if you're listening, we're not trying to exclude you. It was the first picture I could find on my computer. Sorry about that. But um, this is our small group. We're called um, the Avengers Anonymous because we're all nerds. 
And um, we love our small group, and we do life together. We celebrate with each other and cry together and laugh together and geek out together, and that's a lot of fun. Here's some more of my Redwoods. Uh, here's a picture of a, my pastor's covenant group with other pastors all across the state of Florida. We're all on the same stage of life, loving each other, supporting each other as we're trying to learn how to do this crazy job of pastoring and leading people to Jesus. And um, there's those guys. Here's um, another picture of my two lifelong best friends, Brett and Jeff. We met uh, in middle school at our youth group, our student ministry, and we became accountability partners. This is at Jeff's wedding. He, Jeff is the guy in the middle. Brett's the guy in the back. Uh, we've been friends since, like I said, middle school. And we became accountability partners where we would get together and drink way too much Mountain Dew Code Red, and um, which, I mean, is like nuts, right? But it tastes really good. Um, pizza, and we would talk about God. And we would pray for each other. We would play a lot of Halo. But we would, um, and then we would talk about God. We would confess our sins to each other. We would pray for each other. We would encourage each other. We would laugh together. We would, it, was, it wasn't only God, but there was a lot of God in it. And those guys have been my best friends my whole life. And God called all three of us to be pastors, and we didn't know it. Um, and to this day, those guys are still my closest friends. I love them. And they're my redwoods, and they hold me up, and I hold them up. And we do life. Who are your redwoods? Do you have them? Who are they? And if you don't, are you willing to find some? There's one other thing I want you to show you in this passage. Colossians 2, 7. It says, here's the rest of the verse. Root and built up together, and then strengthened in the faith as you were taught. If you're taking notes, underline strengthened. And overflowing with thankfulness, over strengthened and overflowing, strengthened and overflowing with thankfulness. That's such a cool dichotomy of sometimes we need strength together. Sometimes being together, you need somebody to help you become strong, to stay strong. Sometimes you need to borrow strength from another person. And sometimes being with other people helps what you're thankful be about overflow. One of the things we've said here before in our church, we've talked about community, is we say that Christian community multiplies joy and it divides sorrow. So when you come to a table with a bunch of friends who are all trying to follow in the way of Jesus, it's unique and a different kind of friendship than any other type of friendship out there. And when you bring your real life and your real authentic self, and you're not putting on a fake religious face, but you're just being who you really are, when you bring that to a table, amazing things happen. All, many people have heard about the story of when Jesus fed 5,000, 7,000, they would come with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus would bless them, and they would go and try to feed, and the food just multiplied itself. And so when they were done, they brought 12 baskets of leftovers. I mean, that is a lot of doggy bags, Okay. 12 baskets of leftover food from this miracle that multiplied all this food. That's what happens when you bring your joys into Christian community. What you brought to the table with your joy and thankfulness around a table gets multiplied and you leave with more thankfulness and joy than you came. And it also divides your sorrow. And the thing that just feels unbearable that you can't carry anymore other people put their, hand, their hands on what you're carrying. They put their arms around you, and you lift it together. And there, I sense there's just a bunch of us here today 
and who are watching this and worshiping with us, that you're carrying some heavy stuff that you need other people to help carry with you. And the way to do it is through community. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It happens when we're together. So this all brings it back to this idea of what we're talking about, Christian community in groups. Now, I know that this fall is totally weird. This August is not going how anybody anticipated. We thought we were done with, you know, the pandemic. And my favorite thing online these days, have you guys seen it on Facebook or on Instagram or on TikTok or whatever of my fall plans and then the Delta variant. Here's my favorite one with Kevin from The Office, right? (laughs) Isn't that how it feels a little bit right now? Anybody else that way? We kind of feel that way here in our church staff. Like, we had all of these plans, and shucks, Delta. Ah. But still, you guys go ahead and get Kevin off the screen for the love of <laughs> Jesus and everything good and holy. Yeah. Um, I don't care what's going on with the pandemic. I mean, I do care what's going on with the pandemic. No, it's not funny. That's not funny. I do care what's going on with the pandemic. We are having people die from this. It's deadly serious and awful and crushing and heartbreaking. I'm saying this even in spite of that. This is more important now than ever. Almost worse than the pandemic itself is the isolation that's killing people. That's bringing depression and addiction and loneliness where people are... um, The isolation in and of itself is destroying our culture. I think that's why things are so red hot right now where we can't agree on anything, where people are yelling and screaming and demonizing each other. They think our neighbors are the enemies. Isolation is awful. And it's one of the worst things that the pandemic has brought. And even though the Delta variant is raging right now and there's so many competing narratives about all this stuff, I want you to hear me. Christian community is needed now more than ever, more than ever. And that's okay if you're not ready to join a group in person, if you're needing to isolate, if you need to do whatever. There's a million different scenarios here. So none of this is guilt or shame. We're lifting up the value that we need this. We need this. We need this. We need this. So this drives just to groups. We can't make these divinely appointed relationships happen, but we can create the atmospheres where they can happen. And that's why we love groups so much, a community of hope. Thousands, well, I shouldn't say thousands, well over a thousand people in our church are in groups. And so here's the only thing for me to tell you today. Many of you are still in a part of your group. If you have a group, recommit to your group. The most spiritual thing you could do today if you already have a group is to just text your group and to reconnect with your group and figure out what you're doing in the fall with your group. And agreed together. We're not just going to have fun together. Let's grow our roots deeper together. Let's learn how to read the Bible together. Let's learn how to pray together. Let's learn maybe how to fast together. Let's serve the poor together. This is some of the most spiritual things you could do is to just reach out to people today and re-energize what you're doing with your group. And if you don't yet have a group, the most spiritual thing you could do today is to literally fill out a form to maybe get a group. This is not an advertisement. This is not me being a salesman. This is not me pitching our ministry. This is me being your pastor. 
and saying this is one of the most important things that you could do in your life. And for some of you here in this room or online or at one of our campuses, the most important thing you could possibly do maybe today is to go fill out that form and raise your hand and say, I'm not yet in a group or I need a group. And even though I'm not ready to join one this week, I might be ready in a month. Still go fill out that form. It might change your entire life. Friends, let's get rooted together. Who are your redwoods? Reconnect to them. And if you don't have one, if you don't have them, we'll help you find some. Would you pray with me? Lord, I feel your spirit prompt me to just pray our theme verse over our church and over Community of Hope today. So Lord, just as we have received you as Lord, and Lord, for those of you who have not, we ask that you would lead them into that moment and that we would give our hearts and our lives to you to ask you to forgive our sins, to commit our trust to you, to save us, and to invite you into our lives. So but for Lord, for those of us who have received you as Lord already, we pray that you would give us grace to continue to live our lives in you. Would you give us grace to be rooted and built up together? Would you give us grace to be strengthened in the faith as we were taught? And Lord, would you pour out your grace on us so that we would be overflowing with thankfulness? not as individuals, but together, like you designed it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, Would you please stand for our closing benediction? So if you're in a group, reconnect to your redwoods and go deep with them. Don't be superficial. Go to deep place. Grow your friendships. Grow your faith. Grow with God. If you're not yet in a group, it's easy. Just go to our website, communityfolk.church slash groups. If you're here in Loxahatchee, you can just go uh, out in the back. Kathy will be out there. You can meet Kathy. Give her a high five. Tell her she's awesome. Um, There's lots. It's easy to just find it. The important thing is find your people. Endure in faith be strengthened, be overflowing with thankfulness. So now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, go in God's grace. We'll see you next weekend.